heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, I'm trying to Welcome, everybody, to episode number 36 of the YWC Football Talk Podcast. I'm back. You know it's me, Griff. It's the guy who's from Canada, loves to talk football, and today we've got week nine. We've got a lot of games on. we got Packers-Niners on right now in a very uh, squad, like a very short-squatted game, I should say. But anyway, guys, i got Matt Beast, Matt Datsu to talk on. Why? Because one of the biggest games of this week is the 40, not the 49ers, they're playing right now, but his New Orleans Saints traveling to Tampa to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for sole possession of the NFC South. But anyway, guys, when we come back, Matt and I are going to be here. We're going to talk a little bit of football. And also, too, guys, just to remind you, this podcast is sponsored by Anchor. I've said it before in the ad, but Anchor is an easy way to upload your podcasts, and I love it. It's easy. It gets me up on every single podcast platform from Apple Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. There's just too many to name. But anyway, guys, sit back, relax, and enjoy episode number 36 of YWC Football Talk. And just like that, guys, we are back. Like I said before, episode 36, Matt is finally here with me. And I know, like I had a big round on Monday, Matt's here tonight. Two guys love to talk football. Matt, welcome back, my friend. Uh, it's awesome to be back. It's always a fun time hopping on here and talking football with you. I always look forward to it whenever I get the DM and uh, got to come on to the podcast. And uh, it's just a very fun time. So uh, thanks for having me on. And I saw a tweet from you, too, that uh, I don't know how often I'm going to be able to get you anymore because there's a new console coming out next week. I feel like you were one of the lucky ones to get a pre-order. I didn't, so I'm going to wait my turn. But hopefully you find some time out of your PS5 playing and work to hop on on future dates because you're always welcome back on. Like I said, you, Big Rat, Phil, so many people in the YWC who are welcome, always welcome to come back on and talk football. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely, man. I can always make time to talk some football. Love to hear it, love to hear it. Um, well, anyway, we actually got a game going on right now, but the one reason why I wanted you for this week is because, look, there is. Um, I, I feel like we should talk about this game first, I, even though I know it's the Sunday night game, it's the last game of the day on Sunday. We got your Saints, who are on a bit of a roll right now. They had those uh, two hiccups against uh, Vegas and Green Bay, but ever since then, they've been playing pretty well, they've been winning games, and now they're rolling into what is probably going to be one of the best games of the year. Oh, yeah, and I mean, uh, these past couple games, they've been so stressful. Like, we went into the Bears game without Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and Marquez Callaway, who had a really good game against the Panthers. Um, And I just thought we were going to lose to the Bears just because we could not – we would probably not do anything on offense. But, I mean, Kamara's just been – uh, carrying the team, Jared Cook here and there has been having good games, and uh, I'm a little bit tired of the Drew Brees hate at this point. And I mean, is he what he used to be a couple years ago? No. People keep complaining about air yards and all this garbage, but I mean, Drew Brees has probably been last in air yards the past three seasons. I mean, the offense, the way it runs, 
it's just a very methodical pace. Um, I mean, we either dunk it off to Kamara, run Kamara, run Latavius Murray, or throw to Michael Thomas. That's what it's been lately. And, I mean, we added Emmanuel Sanders, so it's another cog in the offense. But, And, I mean, it's 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 a lot more uh, complicated than the way I just mentioned it, but that's pretty much the uh, – the main cogs in the wheel, uh, should you say? But uh, this Bucks game is definitely scary. Um, I don't know how to uh, feel about it because I mean the Bucks defense—it's been really good even since Week One. They shut out Michael Thomas, and I think he's going to be uh, a little bit jaded to try to uh, come out and actually play this one real hard. So I'm hoping uh, he's all good to go. Um, I know Emmanuel Sanders is back from COVID, and Marquez Callaway should be back too. So I think it should be a really good game, at least uh, injury-wise for both teams. You know, like you're right too. You're gonna have both teams fully healthy. Also, a big part of that too, and like Big Rat says, that if Chris Godwin's gonna be playing on Sunday. Um, oh yeah. If I can be honest with you, um, the Carolina Panthers game though was like I basically it was what I thought it was gonna be close divisional football but where the Saints kind of have that upper hand on them where you know they kind of show Carolina okay like who runs this like who runs this division obviously I know the Packers not the Packers excuse me because we're watching that game right now as my Yahoo notifications come across make me very happy um (laughs) but with the Panthers it kind of like obviously the Bucks are in first but the Patriots not the Patriots like my my mind's all over the place man I got a lot on my mind right now Um, I understand the Saints basically showed the Panthers, like, okay, look, we're going to kind of bring you back to reality with this game, and that's what happened. Like, sure, the Panthers had a lot of play- big plays. I expect the Panthers to be around for years to come. Matt Rule has really impressed me. It's Freddie Bridgewater, too, even though I know he's a division rival now. I still think it's really great to see him playing, especially after everything he had to go through in 16 and 17. And like I know, he got the two, uh, not the two, the five starting uh, wins last year. But now that he's his own starting job, like you can't look and be happy for the guy. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm happy for him that uh, he uh, kind of lost his chance there in Minnesota with the injuries, and then he came with us, and uh, he got to sit and learn from Drew Brees, and actually got to play in a couple games, and got to start and play in some of them. And I mean, for the most part, he wasn't just blowing out the uh, uh, blowing up the stat sheets. He's a uh, really safe quarterback. He doesn't turn the ball over. And he can manage a game for you. And that's, at the end of the day, you can get by with that. So I think he, he I don't know how long he's going to be there as the Panthers starter. But, I mean, Matt Rule and Joe Brady, they both have formed a really good offensive system. I mean, Robbie Anderson, of all people. Um, another reason to show that Adam Gase is a terrible head coach. Um, another guy that has flourished um, once getting away from him. Um, but... I mean, I wasn't expecting it. I, I think I even said on this podcast uh, earlier in the season that I did not expect Robbie Anderson and Teddy Bridgewater to be a good fit. And here Robbie Anderson is like second in the league in receiving yards, which is crazy to think about. But, uh, and I mean, DJ Moore is still getting it done, and they're about to get Christian McCaffrey back. So, the, I mean, the offense is still running great. Um, it's just them trying to put it all together, which probably won't happen this season, but we'll just see how it goes for them in year two. No, yeah, 100% for sure. Like, this year's kind of like a, I feel like for them it's like a learn from experience, but also, too, for them going on that little bit of the three-game heater, it's uh-huh. them basically saying, like, okay, look, we can do this, but even, too, if they kind of fall off and miss the playoffs, I don't think it's looked as a failure because this team, to me, reminds me a lot of the 2017 Bills where no one expected them to do shit, but yet they actually made some noise. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, and the only other thing too I want to say about the Bears game quickly was that obviously I saw the I didn't miss I didn't watch the game up until halftime, but then I like saw the highlights of the second half. Um, Tony Carrente's a horrible referee. That one fumble on Komet should not that should have been called a fumble. I don't know why they gave him like hearing about forward progress on a fumble. I'm just like like my dad is explaining it to me because I don't know if I told you this, my dad's actually a Saints fan, so it's uh-huh. my sister. Yeah, I remember that. And he was telling me all this stuff, and I literally was just saying, like, Tony Carrente's your ref. I don't know what else, like, how to sugarcoat it. Like, when he's refing your game, like, I always, like, have, like, one of those, like, big gulp moments where I'm like, oh, shit, something bad's going to happen. I just feel it. The, um, I heard something on a second podcast where they actually said something. Uh, they said something to the effect of, I mean, you didn't hear the whistle um, calling the play dead, which normally uh, comes whenever the forward progress has been stopped. And, I mean, if you're reviewing the play, yes, it, it looks like forward progress has been stopped. But let's say that Cole Komet somehow breaks away from that DeMario Davis tackle and runs for a touchdown. Are they going to call that forward progress? No, they're not. So uh, I'm, I, that's my only argument towards it. But at this point, I'm, I'm used to uh, refs making questionable calls against the Saints. Yeah, you know what? Like, that's the thing, too. I feel like a lot of... People, uh, or not people, I think a lot of Saints fans feel like the referees are kind of out to get them, especially after they were the ones who kind of really pushed for that whole replay review on pass interference. Obviously, it's not a thing from last year, but I feel like, and I always want to ask you this, because I feel like I get this from my dad all the time, where he basically, he, he has that agenda where he thinks the Saints are, like the refs are kind of against them, and they also, like, because I do see it sometimes where they do get some calls where I'm just like, okay, what the fuck was that? I just want to see, get your thoughts on that. I mean, it's just terrible. I remember, it's to the point where I don't even remember all the bad calls that happened. But, like, last year, like, right after the season started, after the whole uh, pass interference debacle that went on um, with the Rams game, there was, like, three games in a row where the refs just made super questionable decisions. Um, One I can remember in particular was a Cam Jordan scooping score that should have happened, but it didn't. It was in a Rams game, funny enough, actually. Um, now that I think about it, in the game that Drew Brees got hurt last year. Um, but it's just, I, I don't know what to think about it at this point. Earlier in the year, I, I don't know who the most penalized team in the NFL now is, but earlier in the year, the Saints were heavily penalized, and I mean, rightfully so, because um, Janoris Jenkins was being a little bit grabby on the outside, and our secondary has been kind of shoddy this year. Um, so they've been kind of sketchy um, about wanting to uh, get a little bit more handsy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't understand what's going on with the refs and the Saints. And uh, I don't know. I don't really have much much more to comment on it than that, honestly. No, it's all good. It's all good. I just wanted to like, ask, ask you, uh, like, ask another Saints fan their opinion on that. But anyway, less about, like, obviously we got off to Carolina some of the starts. Uh, right away, I want to. I just want to talk about this game Sunday because I actually have a take about this game, and I feel like it may be received as either positive or negative. Mm-hmm. But I, or may, I'm positive negative. I mean, it may be a hot take. I feel like this game is more of a must win for the Buccaneers than it is for the Saints. And I only say oh. that. Beca- I'm sorry to cut you off, but I only say that because of the Saints' Week One victory against Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, our week one win was huge. Uh, Going into the season, I was like, okay, this is a must win because I did not want to hear all the talking from the media that the Bucs won. Gladly, we uh, won that game, Um, but people in the media are still uh, 
very uh, hyped more on Brady, of course. The NFL wants the Bucks to succeed. Um, it generates them money. It generates them. Uh, of course, it's not going to generate them ticket sales because of how this year's been. But uh, it just generates the hype for the season. Generates the ratings. I'm sure the Saints Bucks ratings is going to be ridiculous um, on Sunday Night Football. Um, and the media's, for, for the most part, they've been really against Drew. Just. Uh, blaming the lack of numbers that Drew hasn't been putting up when he's been missing his number one receiver, Michael Thomas, missing Emmanuel Sanders for some games, um, and some bad games here and there with the Vegas and the Packers game. But, I mean, the Bucks just barely beat the Giants, so I really do not want to hear anything. Um, even even though the Saints barely beat the, Bre- the Bears, how that game went, but uh, I just don't want to really hear anything out of it until uh, this game on Sunday night. We'll, we'll just let the game kind of talk and how it goes. And um, I, I know one major storyline is going to be the Antonio Brown thing. What's going to happen there? I'm kind of hoping Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is covering him because uh, <laughs> Antonio Brown might end up punching him in the face next. Yeah. Well, to say the least, that may have been one of the dumbest NFL fights ever because literally – the guy punches him and then punches him again, and then Gardner Johnson just standing there like, "Bro, what the fuck was that?" Actually, uh, the, the funny thing is, um, Chauncey uh, he, he's gotten a reputation of being an asshole. I mean, Michael Thomas legitimately punched him during practice because uh, he's getting on his nerves, I guess. And this guy literally earlier in the game, um, he went up to Wims. And he took his mouthpiece and ran away. <laughs> and so Wims was literally sitting on the sideline thinking, man, when I get in the game, I'm going to go over there and deck this guy. <laughs> he literally did. He just went over there and punched him. And Chauncey's like, why did you punch me? And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that's what I got to give to Chauncey. Um, he's shown that he was a really good player last year as a rookie. Um, this year, he hasn't been as good. His slot coverage has been kind of shaky at times. Um, but, I mean, this whole defense just really hasn't um, performed to expectation levels. Um, I think a lot of Saints fans would agree with that. Um, but, I mean, as long as you have confidence, that's like one of the big things of a corner uh, or any secondary guy to have anyways is you got to have some confidence in yourself so that way if you give up a big play, you can go back out there and make another play and try to make up for it. And uh, Chauncey definitely has a lot of confidence. I mean, uh, in the Bears game last year, he was making fun of Tariq Cohen about how short he was, and he's just a he's just an asshole for the lack of a better term. Um, but uh, – and, and, I mean, if he got another team, I'd probably hate him. But uh, it's just kind of funny to see how it plays out. And, I mean, it, it obviously works. It got him a penalty yardage with the Wims punch and uh, got him addicted, even though Wims isn't really a uh, player you're looking out for. But, uh, I mean, the penalty yardage was nice. No, for sure, for sure. You'll take – it's like, for example, last Thursday night, um, the Carolina-Atlanta game, I don't know if you watched it, but there was the one incident where – Dante Fowler stuck out his leg, tripped uh, Teddy, and then the guy, I forget who it was, I think Henderson was his last name, comes out of nowhere and just fucking decks him as he's already down and delivers a headshot. So I'm just like, like, like look at incidents like that and almost laugh. But I also love it too, or not love it, I just like, yeah, I, yeah, I'm just saying, I love it when like, on another note, like when someone does something stupid like that and they like questions like, oh, why am I getting ejected for this or disqualified? It's just like, Bro, you know what you fucking did. Just own up to your actions. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, 
That's just funny to me that Chauncey stalled his mouthpiece and dude's just going to sit on the sideline and just wait his turn until he get back out there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't really know what else much to go in on that, but uh, this Bucks and Saints game is definitely going to be interesting. From the Antonio Brown thing, I think Chris Godwin's going to play. Um, I'm really hopeful Mike Thomas is going to play. It's training in the right direction. Um, Drew Brees has been having shoulder problems in practice, so that's kind of sketchy. Um, hopefully that's not not a major thing. He's definitely downplaying it. Kamara took a rest, um, a rest day or something like that, so uh, I think he'll be fine to go. Um, but I, I'm kind of hoping that both of these teams are kind of at full power so that way we can uh, not really have any excuses by either side. Um and let the best team win, then it's going to be a huge game for sure. Um, battle for the NFC South. Um, Got to love it. No, I agree with that too. Battle for the NFC South, all the implications that are on tonight. Um, and like even though you said, do you want full teams of capacity? Like even though this game is being played tonight, I bet if you ask any San Francisco 49er fan, they're going to want this game moved because, look, they, they're without, I believe, Trent Williams and Brandon Ayuk, where – if this game were moved to, say, Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, that, those problems wouldn't be happening. So it's all just a matter of, like, like, it all, like I said, it's also a matter of the COVID and everything. Because obviously, too, even that week, that's been a big factor. But, no, I agree with this game where you want both teams running at full capacity and full health. Because if not, you're going to hear people making excuses. But I honestly feel like with Tampa Bay on Monday, how you said they played a close game against the Giants... Do you remember the playoff game two years ago where it was Pittsburgh-Jacksonville and then there were reports of Pittsburgh saying, oh, we're going to take care of the Jaguars and then we're going to go to New England, rematch of last year's AFC Championship game and go and like play for the Super Bowl? That's what I feel like this previous game was for the Bucs where they thought, oh, like we're already looking ahead to the Saints and then they took their foot off the gas and then they kind of realized, oh, shit, we uh, forgot to play football today. So... <laughs> And also, too, I have one other thing to say, to say about this game. I know everyone's going to be looking to see who's the better quarterback. I'm more intrigued by who's got the better front seven. Who's going to be able to get to the quarterback? Because I, honest, I honestly do think, though, because I know the Saints' offensive line always has problems with staying healthy and stuff, because I know there's guys who are in and out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. But I, And also, too, like, and even with Tampa, there's been moments where Brady's just getting the like defensive line and just getting to him. So... I think whichever defensive line has a better day is going to be a huge part into their team winning the football game. And that's that's one factor of it because uh, the Saints, uh, Sheldon Rankins, he just got hurt. So uh, I don't know how long he's going to end up hurt, but I know it's going to be for a couple weeks, and that's going to be a big factor. Um, another big factor for our D-line is, Shel- is Sheldon Rankins. Marcus Davenport is finally back on the field and playing well, which is uh, very good to see. Um, a very... Um, one joke in Saints Twitter is everyone just calls him two first because we gave up two first to go up and get Marcus Davenport. So they don't really even call him by his name because he's either, he's normally been just hurt. And when he's on the field, he plays really good. But uh, he's just never able to put it all together and stay healthy. So if he can continue on this stretch, the amount of pressure he's been getting has been really good. Um, hopefully the Sheldon Rankin's injury doesn't hurt us too much. Um and one of the players on the D-line, actually, your boy from Canada, David Onyemata, he's probably been the best player on this defense in terms of being the most consistent week in and week out. You're like, okay, yeah, we just signed him to a new deal, and he's been out there earning earning that money this season. And I think he's been the most consistent on this defense, which is underperformed for the most part. And I'm really hoping they can put it all together. And if they can put it together against this Bucks team, that would be just 
the cherry on top. Of course, we just uh, traded for Quan Alexander to add another linebacker to the team. Um, I'm hoping his injuries, uh, his injury history doesn't show up and he's able to get out on the field and play. I think adding an athletic body at linebacker is very important. A couple years ago, I would have dreamed of having a guy like Quan Alexander on the team, but we have Demario Davis and teaming him up with uh, Demario Davis will be great. Um, we might even see some three linebacker packages from the Saints, which is very rare um, with Anzalone, Alexander, and uh, Demario. But I think it's really just going to be Quan and Demario. I think he's going to take over Anzalone's spot in the end because uh, his coverage ability has not been very good this year. He's been a liability for sure. Um, but yeah, um, I, he's, he's he's most likely not going to play this week. Uh, maybe next week, but. Uh, it should be interesting to see how this defense shows up because uh, before the year, I didn't put a lot of stock into the Bucks secondary, and uh, I gotta say, Carlton Davis, he's a he's a player. He's uh, been a really good corner for them. Um, so I have to put more stock into their defense, um, their, especially their secondary. It's been really solid. The one thing I will say about their defense, though, is that the loss of Vita Via, I think, is very very significant. As soon as he went, I believe he broke his leg in the yes. Chicago game. That was a big loss. That's why they went out there and got um, McClendon from the Jets. As uh, I watched, as while you were talking there about well, everything to do with the sign of the defense, was shout out University of Manitoba with uh, Anyamata. Um, that's why. That's the only reason why I thought with the defensive line. Because look, the also too the fact that you have two mobile, cor- uh, not two mobile, two pocket quarterbacks. Just I honestly think too. Look, if Taysom Hill can make some plays, and I'm not expecting Taysom Hill to be like great Sunday, but if he can make some plays where he gets out there and makes uh, this defense rethink things, I think Tampa's in, like because if Tampa straight up plays the way they did on Monday night, you guys are going to win. I do videos on TikTok every usually Wednesday. They come out of who I think is going to win, and I pick the Saints for this game. I just something about it tells me like that there's going to be pressure on the Bucks because you know how. With, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but the whole Hollywood Brown cryptic tweet that came out this week about, uh, oh, uh, like, it basically said something about, like, soldiers, like, oh, all soldiers fight, but some don't get all the reward, something along those lines, and I feel like with Brown coming in, if, like, he's getting all the attention as opposed to, uh, like, Godwin or Evans, I think it may cause some stuff in the locker room, but we'll wait and see, but at the end of the day, I feel like Tom's gonna, Tom's bigger than that, and he'll make it, make things better. Um, my only point about this game with the Saints winning is just that, look, I think that, the, like I said, there's more pressure on the Bucs to win. At the end of the day, too, for as good as a head coach he is, I still think Sean Payton's a better head coach than Bruce Arians. Especially after his take about saying that the best quarterback he's ever had is Andrew Luck. No offense to Andrew Luck, but I'm sorry, but when you got number 12 in your locker room, you say that number 12 is the best quarterback you've ever coached. Um <laughs> The only question I want to ask you is, what do you think the? Because I assume you're going for the Saints, obviously too. What's what do you think the score is going to be on Sunday? Hmm. I'm really going into every Saints game. I'm very pessimistic. Like uh, I'm obvi- I'm I'm honestly scared every week. And like the Panthers game, I was scared of mainly because of Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders not being there. But then all of a sudden, Callaway plays good. Um. And then I ended up feeling better throughout the night. Like the Bears game, I thought we had zero chance to win, but uh, we pulled it off. Um, this Bucks game, um, I just hope the hype doesn't get past us and uh, hope we can put it all together and start playing good. 
Um, the defense I'm really scared about, even especially if Godwin plays. If Godwin plays, um, that's going to be a big factor um, because he's probably going to tear up the slot. Um, I'm not too really scared about Mike Evans. I say that, but he's going to go out and have a 100-yard, two-touchdown game or some bull crap and make Lattimore look crap. But normally when Lattimore plays Evans, he's has a history of shutting him down. Um, but for the most part, for his score, I'm going to say Saints... Saints 31, Bucks 28. You know what? That's a score, thirty-one to twenty-eight. That's a score I can get behind. Um, I'm gonna go a little different. I'm gonna say thirty-four to thirty-one. I think this comes down to, you know, Drew running a two-minute drill, um, him going out there and then leaving it for Lutz to kick a field goal because there's been games like that before. Um, a game that I think of that I feel like this game could be very similar to is I'm not gonna say Rams Saints from two years ago. I'm gonna say Week One of last year that. Um, Texans versus Saints game. I think this is going to be a very similar style football game. Very back oh, and forth. Man, the game was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the sake of my heart, I hope it's I hope it's not a close game because, uh, man, the Saints have been giving me anxiety attacks the past couple weeks. But because uh, these games have been so close, but uh, it'd be nice to get a blowout win over the Bucks because then I'd probably talk some shit for once. But because I really don't talk any shit because. Uh, it's, I just can't do it during a game because it just seems like bad, bad mojo, but uh, that'd be fun. But doubt that'd ever happen for me. I, I, I normally wait till the game's over. As Nick Mullins just got trucked on that play. But no, I'm the same way as you. Like That's why a lot of the time... Yeah, he did. Um, I like, sometimes I like to stay off Twitter, but a lot of the times recently I've been on Twitter during games. But sometimes staying off social media, honestly, like when your team's playing specifically, is a good thing as I watch this replay. He got it off, but oh, he got... like. Just driven into the ground by 90, I think it's 91, but, okay, Nick Mullen's going to feel that one tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like that's just the only thing i got to say. Like I know, like you said, for the sake of your heart, you don't want it to be a close game, but honestly, I've said this in the past before, and I know I've, this, I've suffered from the same thing with you with football anxiety and everything as the uh, uh, nice little jet sweep there for the uh, Niners to get within the five-yard line. Um I think close games are better than blowouts because you really like you're just on the edge of your seat. Meanwhile, the blowout, like say for example, like back in the day, because this hasn't happened this year, and I don't think it ever will, with the Patriots where they were up like I don't know, let's say thirty-five to ten, you're kind of sitting there being like you kind of lose interest in the game. Meanwhile, though, if it's like anywhere in that range from like a three-point game to a fourteen-point game, it's still like you're on the edge because it's like either is someone going to come back, who's going to take the lead next, or are we going to shut them down? Like it's just. The fo- football that is, the theater that is football is, I just love it. I'm sorry, but even tonight, if this game's close tonight, I just love watching it when it's not my team. Oh, yeah, for sure. I agree. When it's a, when it's not my team, I want a close game all day, every day. And, of course, I remember the close wins over the blowout wins. But, like, for me, a perfect Saints game is uh, a Colts game I remember a couple years ago when Andrew Luck had just gotten hurt and we played him and we beat him like 50 or 40 points. It was it was just amazing. I, I was kicked back in the recliner, just chilling, not even a care in the world, not worried about it. And like uh, compared to like the Bears game last week, I was stressed about it even an hour after the game was over. I was just like, oh my God. And, and I went into that game very pessimistic too. Which is crazy, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, that's, that's definitely what I prefer for 
my mind's sake. <laughs> All right, so um, I, no, I completely get where you're coming from. But anyway, guys, we're going to move on. We're going to move on to the rest of Week 9 for now. Um, as we're watching San Francisco Green Bay, uh, it's 7-2. to Now, no, uh, he didn't. Oh, well, they're giving it to him. They're, so San Francisco's right back in this with... That's not Dwally who got the touchdown. I'm trying to figure out who that was. 86. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm just, hard. It's hard to figure out when you don't really know the players, considering a lot of their receiving core. And their whole team is either has COVID or is on the IR, which is really fucking me, fuck me up. I want to say this guy's name is Tyler something. Yeah, because I know Dwelly is their one tight end, but he's 82. Let's see this. Uh, I think his last name's with a C... I see an R, I see an A, I see uh, Kraykoff, Craycraft. So we can figure out our first name, but Craycraft with the touchdown. I don't know if you have him on your fantasy squad. I doubt it. I saw a lot of people adding Trent Taylor. I didn't do that just because I have a lot of skepticism about Nick Mullins after the uh, Eagles game he had a month ago, which literally was a month and a day ago. Um, But in this game overall, even though San Francisco did just get a touchdown to make it Obviously, either a tie game or a one. It's under review right now to make it either a tie game soon because I assume Robbie Gold's going to kick the field goal. I'm still going Packers for this win. I, I know, like I said, the game's already started, but I'm just going to say it. I think Packers are winning this. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially since Aaron Jones uh, is toughing it out and playing it after the Packers lost both A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams to the uh, curse that is COVID. Um, and the 49ers right now, like, I just. I don't like the 49ers, um, mainly because I'm uh, petty towards them as a Saints fan for a couple years ago during a certain playoff game that I won't mention. Um, but, uh, like, you got to feel bad for them because there's just so many injuries to their squad. COVID has struck them. Um, just last week they had Kittle and Garoppolo go out. It's just it's a rough time to be a 49ers fan. i got to feel bad for my guy Breach. Um, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, – He's not having very fun times watching his squad right now uh, get decimated um, due, due to the state of the world and the injuries. Um, to be honest, going into the year, I was very much looking forward to uh, next Sunday's game, just with like if both teams were healthy, because the game last year that the uh, 49ers and the Saints played, I know you guys ended up losing, unfortunately, but that was a great game last year, week, I think, week 14 last year. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because I know it, as, but no, I'm, you're gonna hate this, hear this. But as soon as that Kittle fourth down conversion right. happened, where he just went beast, I'm like, oh man, Saints are losing this game. But I'm sorry, I'm yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to say that, man. But that was just the truth. But like, part of me feels bad, but part of me at the same time is just like, like makes that loss two weeks ago when they whooped our ass, thirty-three to six in Foxborough, even worse. Because everyone's gonna look at the Niners season and go, "Oh, remember when they oh they kicked New England's ass?" And I get to go, "Yeah, they had Samuel healthy, they had um, Kittle healthy, and they had Garoppolo healthy." Um, but no, I do feel bad like for just the fact that like Nick Bosa was lost week two, um, Solomon Thomas is out, Raheem Mostert's been in and out, Debo Samuel's been in and out, Kittle, uh, I think Jarquiski Tart has been in, is out of the lineup right now. Richard Sherman's on IR. Like, this is a team that's just been... Okay, yeah, it is a touchdown, by the way, by Craycraft. Let's see, uh, one foot, two foot, he's... I know the ball comes out afterwards, but he got both feet inbounds before he got out of bounds. Um, just the fact, too, but, hey, if they keep it close tonight, and 
Or actually, wait, no, shit, it is not. Yeah, they didn't give it to him. They didn't give it to him. Oh, he I just. The ball. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I thought because he had his feet down, I guess they uh, rule progress. There he is, 86. Well, Trent Taylor with like the worst mustache I've ever seen for a football player. <laughs> Sitting there with his helmet up, like, his, like he looks like a cop from like 1986. Um, but oh, it was Robbie Gold with a 22 yard attempt, kick through, and it is good as the. Packers are up 7-3, to three, not a tie game. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't realize that until I saw fourth and goal, and I was like, oh, shit, they didn't give it to him. Um, but, no, San Francisco, honestly, I think this game right here is a game where if they go 4-5, and five, and especially in this division, it's kind of a death sentence just because, look, you got Seattle's been clicking. I think Russ, Russell Wilson's my MVP. Um, oh, yeah. Arizona is that sneaky good, like, air, like, a lot of people think, oh, Arizona, let's see what they do. I'm like, they're 5-2 and two right now, where last year at this time, I think they... They won five games off last year, so they win one more game. They break their uh, streak. They break their record from last year. And then LA, you never know what you're going to get. So I think this game, honestly, with the uh, and because LA can be frisky, but at the same time, too, the golf can be really bad. So if San Francisco does lose this game, and especially too, I think they still have to play the Saints next week, obviously, and they have the Bills coming up as well. And I think they still have to play Seattle, the Rams again, and the Cardinals again later on in the season, it's it's very tough sledding for this very depleted team. But, look, if this team, they're going to end up losing out, getting a great draft pick, and next year they're going to be the talk of the NFC again. Because 2018, Garoppolo tears his ACL, they get Bosa, Samuel, and they were six minutes away from winning the Super Bowl last year. So I'm just saying, like, I guess injured, like these, and also for next year, for all we know, too, Garoppolo may not be their quarterback. So who knows what we're going to get with San Francisco going forward. Yeah, for sure. Imagine, like, if I get a guy... I mean, I could draft a quarterback. I mean, it, it's possible. I mean, it could happen. Um, I go out and get a quarterback. I could get a guy like Jamar Chase, the wide receiver out of LSU. He would be a huge add for them to their wide receiver core. Um, and there's just a lot of directions I could go. But ha- having a pick like that, when you, ha- when you have a team that just has a bunch of injuries, like you said with the whole Nick Bosa thing... Um, it's just huge, and it just elevates them to another level. But I mean, this 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 division is just insane. Russell Wilson, he's just on another plane right now. It's just crazy that the fact that he's never received an MVP vote at all, and he's just been playing lights out. He's just so efficient. He's always been so efficient, but he's just so good at it. And DK Metcalf, he's really come on. And I was a huge fan of his coming in. I thought he was going to be a. Uh, Big asset because I was like, man, the fact that he failed in the second round and the Seahawks got him, he went to the right place because a a lot of the draft uh, stock um, is, I mean, all these players have talent. Um, A lot of it is fit and coaching. It's just so underrated. And you always see these players bust. Uh, These people say these players bust. It's just because they just weren't put in the right situation. Sometimes, of course, these players just aren't, end up cut out to be an NFL pro player. And, I mean, that's some of it as well. But, I mean, if you put the talent with the right coach and the right players around them, you're just in a good position to succeed. And DK Metcalf went to the perfect spot. And he's been so huge for them this this year so far. And, I mean, Lockett's nothing to sniff at either. It's just wild how those two and Russ are just cooking. Um, The defense definitely could use some help. But uh, for the most part, if you just give it to Russ, um, he'll get you there. 
you're just 100% right. The only thing I think that's stopping that team is the potential for their defense. But, like, look, this the NFC, the NFC West going forward, as long as – if the Rams can be consistent – that's a, and, and a healthy Niners team, every year there's going to be straight competition, which you love to see in the NFL. Because I know that's why a lot of people are we're sick of the Patriots and are just kind of enjoying their pain right now. Because, look, it's like you've been on top for so long, it's time for someone new to come in. Meanwhile, with the NFC West this year, like, I pretty, like even going back years past, like it's always going to be a new division champ. For all we know, the Arizona Cardinals can win this division because there's a very key Thursday night football game coming up in two weeks where Arizona goes to Seattle, which... If Arizona wins and gets a stranglehold on the division, because remember too, Arizona did beat San Francisco Week One as well. And that was a healthy San Francisco 49er team. Oh yeah, I mean Arizona's real good. Um, the head coaches in this division are just crazy too. If you think about it, um, they're all really good. And uh, Arizona's been a really good team. I thought their offense was just going to blossom to the next level. Of course, DeAndre Hopkins has been a beast. And I saw a tweet about this, actually, which is funny to think about. In the year that we're in, you would think that these wide receivers going to different teams uh, really need help and really need time to get chemistry with their quarterback. But the top three wide receiver leaders in the league, I know I said Robbie Anderson was second, but he's actually third. Earlier I said he was second. But, like, number one, it's Hopkins. Number two, it's Stephon Diggs. And number three, it's uh, Robbie Anderson, which is an interesting stat to think about. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, But... I mean, when you put Cliff, Kyler, and Hop together, they're, they're going to do work. Um, I, I do I, I do think Chase Edmonds is starting to emerge in that team. Um, he's probably going to take over Ken and Drake's spot. Um, and that that uh, game that you mentioned, it's going to be really fun to watch seeing Kyler and Russ go back and forth because these two are really fun quarterbacks to watch. I love both of their games. Um, I'm a shorter guy myself, so I always tend to end up rooting for the shorter uh, guys on the field. Um, but, yeah, and just speak on the rounds for a little bit. I mean, they're just going to stay consistent because their running game is staying solid with the loss of Todd Gurley. I mean, they have the rotational force of uh, Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, and Cam Akers still hasn't really been unleashed yet either. Um, and, I mean, the Rams are just going to stay solid for sure, but – yeah, that's going to be a really good game, that Cardinals-Seahawks game. I'm looking forward to it. Sam, and I know I usually record Thursday nights, like, while wow, Thursday night football's on in the background, but that's a game, honestly, where I'm all eyes on that game. Like, I'm that week I'm either recording Tuesday night or Wednesday because, look, I want to, wa- I want to have my eyes focused on that game. Um, the next one we got for Sunday, so we're going to move into the other games for Sunday, is a vi- this game, it's two bad teams. It's the Broncos visiting the Falcons. I honestly think that be just there's something about Denver because Denver can look really good one week, but then the next week they can be like surprise you and go, oh yeah, right, the Broncos that are kind of like still a young team, and then Atlanta just finds new ways to lose. So this is that game where it's kind of like we don't know who we're gonna get. I I think I went out on yeah I went out on a limb and I'm gonna go out on a limb on here and say I just have a feeling the Falcons are gonna win this game. Oh yeah, I think they're going to end up winning. Um, it's uh, as long as Julio Jones is out there. I mean, earlier in the year, Matt Ryan is missing Julio Jones, and that was huge for them. I mean, missing Julio is just just hurt them. Calvin Ridley might not play, and I mean, he's been really good this season. 
but uh, I, I think I think they'll be fine as long as he is on the field. And like you said, the Denver Broncos, you really just don't know what you're going to get with them on a week-by-week basis. I mean, Drew Locke, he's been fine, I guess. Um, I'm still waiting to see if he's really going to be the guy for them. Um, and Jerry Judy, got to got to watch out what he's doing. I honestly haven't watched too much Broncos this season, to be honest, though. Um, just hadn't really gone out of my way to check them out. Um, but I agree with you. I think the Falcons are going to end up winning this one. Um, yeah, and also, too, the one thing I was going to say with the Falcons is the Falcons, like, for as much as we make fun of them for they lo- they can lose, they can have those couple of games where they can, like, kind of sneak up on everyone and be good. Because, like, Todd Gurley's been running the ball great. He's having... He's, I think, a top candidate for comeback player of the year, obviously, because he was just, he was great, and he fell down, and now he's kind of come back and reemerged. If Ridley doesn't play, like, this Denver secondary is going to have their hands full with Julio. Um, the only thing I would say with Denver, though, too, is, is if they had a healthy Vaughn Miller right now, I think this team would have a better record. But at the same time, too, you're right. Like, for all we know next year, Drew Locke isn't up to what L.A. wants, and they go out and draft a quarterback, because I think there's this theory where L.A., purposely won't draft a quarterback who will break his records. It's just an inside joke I think a lot of insiders have, as Nick Mullins <laughs> with a rocket to number 13 uh, across the plane to get on to the Packers' territory. Um, but no, the Broncos, honestly, just, they just also haven't been the same team too, too since uh, Peyton retired. Let's just be real. Oh, yeah, I agree. And uh, I think them losing Cortland Sutton early in the year, that also hurt them as well. Um, their offense could have, I mean, on paper going into it, I was like, wow, Drew Locke might be a, a pretty good dynasty super flex asset because, I mean, look what he has around him. He has a two-headed uh, force running back in Gordon and Lindsay. He has Jerry Judy and uh, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant, the young tight end, who's looking pretty solid so far. Um, Tim Patrick starting to arise this season, too. And, uh, I mean, it, it looked really appealing for sure. Um I mean, Jury's still out on it. He, he didn't play a whole lot last year. I think he maybe played five or six games. I don't know off the top of my head. That's just kind of a ballpark guess as to how much he got to play last season. Um, so they, they've definitely been a team to watch, even though I hadn't really been looking for them uh, much this season, to be to be fair. Um, I kind of always keep track with the Falcons just because of the fact they're in the Saints division and every, every time they're on, I want them to lose. So uh, I would love to see the Broncos win this game, but I think, it's like I said, it's going to probably end up being the Falcons winning. Uh, sounds good. Um, the next thing I am, next game, actually, I should say, we're going to talk about, this game intrigues the hell out of me um, because, obviously, it's two good teams. We have the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Buffalo Bills. Um, you have two teams in here who can be great, but then you have teams in there who they can have weeks where they kind of, like, question you. Because, like, how Seattle, for example... Like, Miami had a good comeback against them. They almost lost to New England. Uh, the Arizona game they lost. And Minnesota, too, gave them a really good fight. Uh, if it weren't for uh, that weird going forward on fourth down because Zimmer makes questionable coaching decisions. Um, and, two with Buffalo. Like, Buffalo's that team as well where if you look at their losses this year, it's the Chiefs and the Titans. Now I know it's like you can look at that and go, oh, they lost to the really good teams. If you want to be a playoff contender and, a, and like, almost push towards Super Bowl contendership... Those are the kind of games you got. These are the kind of games that the Bills got to win. Like, if the Bills really want to put their like, because last week obviously they beat the Patriots, they beat Big Brother um, off that Cam fumble. Uh, I'm not going to get too much into that because I did that on Monday's show. But 
look, I think Buffalo really had their chance to kind of put their foot down and beat New England big, but the fact that they let the Patriots, who have been struggling heavily this year, uh, like hang around, I think says a lot. And if they play a similar way because their run defense is just terrible, and if they play that same way this coming Sunday, I think it, Seattle's going to have their way with them, especially Russell and DK. But at the end of the day, you know what? I'm still I'm not picking the Buffalo Bills in this one. I'm sorry, Bills Mafia. I'm going Seahawks. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame you. This game is going to be a really good game. Um, I'm hoping this is the game. Well, this is definitely going to be the game I watch. Oh, there's a uh, there's a pick right there. Um, but uh, I'm hoping uh, this game is. I, I'm expecting this game to be a uh, offensive firework. Honestly, between. Josh Allen and Russell Wilson. Um, Josh Allen earlier in the season, he was uh, very much on fire as much as Russell Wilson was. Arguably, um, these two quarterbacks were just going going all out, and uh, Josh Allen sizzled out a little bit over the past couple weeks. Um, of course, you got DK Metcalf and Stephon Diggs going up against each other on the wide receiver side of things. Um, as far as a, predict, a prediction for the game, I'm actually going to go out on a limb and pick the Bills here to beat the Seahawks, um, which might, might surprise you because uh, the Seahawks are actually pretty good when they travel on, on the other side of the country and go play uh, go play a team on the east east uh, eastern coast. Um, but for some reason, I'm just I'm just really thinking that the Bills are going to play enough defense to sort of contain Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense, not fully stop them, because don't get me wrong, this, this game's still going to, I think, going to be crazy. Um, but, and I think they're going to make enough plays to get it done. And I, I'm, I worry about the Seahawks defense even against, say, questionable Josh Allen at times. But I think this is going to be one of those games where he just goes all out and Stephon Diggs is going to go crazy. Um, and I don't know. I I don't really have much of a rhyme or reason for it, but I just see the Bills going out and having a really good game this this week against the Seahawks. Um, the only thing I'm going to say is it would not shock me if we get Big 12 football at Orchard Park this Sunday. Um, <laughs> the next thing we got, uh, game we got is the Ravens at the Colts, which this game right here is a game I could see happening in January. Um because the Ravens are, this is a t- the Ravens are a team that they're looking for revenge. Because look, they had that. It wasn't a bad loss. It was a great game, but it was just a loss where they like look at it and go like, "Oh man, we could have won that game." And then you have a Colts team uh-huh. who, man, Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers and Drew Brees are the same. I feel like where there's some plays that they make and you're like, "God, I love you," and then there's plays they make and you look at them and go, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> like that's what I feel like because it's like it, well, like the only thing I mean by that is like how Drew's been having trouble throwing down like when he misses receivers that are open and stuff like that. That's all. Because um, Rivers too is the same thing where Rivers will just throw like a boneheaded interception or take a sack he shouldn't have, and then the next play like how he made Hines look great. Um, and man, this def- like this defense for the Indianapolis Colts is really starting to click, and that's a scary thing for the rest of the AFC in my opinion. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going upset in this one. I'm going Colts to win this game. You're going Colts. Okay. Um, looks like we're going opposite ways again. I, I got the Ravens winning this one. Um, I don't trust Phillip Rivers. 
Um, Drew Brees and him, like you said, with the comparison, they they thrown about the same amount of yards. But the 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 thing is, Philip Rivers has thrown about three more interceptions than Drew has. So I feel like he's just not really safe with the ball. And that's what a quarterback like Drew does, which is what I'm glad about is uh, a couple of years ago, he was always throwing picks trying to make up for their terrible defense. But nowadays their MO is take care of the ball, which is very important in football, I would say. Um, I don't know. It's just I feel like the passing game for the Colts just really hasn't really gotten it together. Um, T.Y. Hilton has struggled. He just hasn't been able to have like a 100-yard game without a quarterback named Andrew Luck. Just hasn't materialized, and they've been going to a lot of their tight end sets. Uh, you would think Jonathan Taylor would explode this year, um, the second-round rookie pick, and there was a lot of expectations for him in the fantasy community, um, but that just hasn't materialized. And I mean, you look at last week, it was mainly the Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines show. Those two were showing out, and especially Jordan Wilkins, and I just don't see those two putting up much of a fight against this Baltimore defense, to be fair. And I just think... I don't even know if it's going to be a close game, to be honest with you. I think the Ravens are going to come out, and they got something to prove after that loss to the Steelers, which, I mean, it's not a shame to lose to the Steelers. The Steelers are playing really great football right now. You cannot hate on them at all. Um, but I see – I mean, the Colts' defense is pretty solid to itself, but I just see uh, Lamar Jackson going out here and have a really good game. Um, yeah, so I got the Ravens in this one. That's all good. I just, I'm just picking the Colts to win just to be different as well. Um Senior Yahoo uh, NFL reporter Charles Robinson just had a tweet that came out 10 minutes ago that says, the NFL will find the Las Vegas Raiders $500,000 and Coach John Gruden $150,000 and strip the team of a sixth-round pick for COVID-19 protocol violations related to offensive tackle Trent Brown's positive test in late October. Escalated fine slash pick were due to being a repeat offender. So just a little bit of breaking news that broke about uh, 10 minutes ago. Um, with the Las Vegas Raiders, because obviously, too, we have this uh, Gruden as well, can't really wear his mask properly. And also, too, another thing that came down is uh, cornerback Jonathan Joseph has signed with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Okay. Yeah. So just some uh, news, because I was just stunned. During, I do it during the podcast, just check Twitter per- periodically in case there's breaking news that, hey, we can break to the audience. Um, up next... Texans Jaguars. This, this this game really doesn't do much for me. I'm gonna gonna say you know what Texans are gonna win. I know it's not even Gardner Minshew starting a quarterback for the Texans. It's uh, not the Texans. Excuse me, the Jaguars. I gotta look up the kid's name because I like I can't even remember it off the top of my head. But let's see. I don't either. Let's see here. Uh, Jake Luton. Uh, I believe Jake Luton. rookie quarterback out of Luton. Oregon State. Okay. Um... Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much of an insight on them. I'm just going to say the Texans are going to win this and uh, still feel bad for the Texans because they might end up with a very bad record but no picks. That's all I can say. That's one thing I'm going to get into soon because, like, man, the Miami Dolphins could have a top ten pick in this year's draft. Um, next game we have, like, like you were talking, this is the team we are talking about earlier in the Carolina Panthers with a potential Christian McCaffrey return as they travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. Um the spread for this game is at ten and a half points. I feel like we're both going to go Chiefs with this one, but do you think that the Panthers can cover ten and a half points? Hmm. I'm going to go on a limb and say I don't know. I mean, the, 
it's hard to say. Um, of course, the Chiefs are playing the Jets, but God, <laughs> that's probably the closest thing we're going to see to uh, a college team playing a uh, NFL team, uh, to be honest, because, I mean, Mahomes looked so good. I almost wanted to not start him in fantasy because I was like, they're going to just blow out the Jets and they're just going to run the ball. And I said, screw it, I'm just going to start Patrick Mahomes. And I was so happy I did. Um in reference, I have other quarterbacks that I can choose to start over him, which would be pretty good too, but I'm happy I made the decision to keep him on there. But uh, as far as covering the spread for the Panthers, I don't know. I think the Panthers are going to perform really well in this game, to be fair, um, especially if Christian McCaffrey's back. If Christian McCaffrey's back for certain, I'm going to say they do cover. Yeah, I think that too, just because – Look, uh, the Chiefs have a great defense, but we saw what the uh, Raiders did to them. So if the Panthers can play a similar style of offense and, you know, what, have a few explosive plays with guys like a DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, or Curtis Samuel, they may be able to make it close, but at the end of the day, like I said, Chiefs are going to win this game. I think it's just a matter of by how much. Um, just looking down here to another yeah. intriguing game on the list with the Lions visiting the Vikings. Uh, Matthew Stafford hasn't practiced this week. Obviously, he's on the COVID list after having uh, close contact. Or he was deemed high risk after determining that he was in, uh, I believe it was close contact with someone who had COVID. And this game, honestly, to me, I'm going to call loser leaves town. Because I think whoever loses this game, their playoff hopes are done. I know the Lions are, uh, let me pull up their record here. Uh, three and four right now, but they go to three and five, especially with the Bears still at five and three, and the um, Packers doing their thing at five and two, which is probably going to be six and two after tonight. And to the Vikings, if the Vikings go to two and six, I think it's just whoever loses this game, your seasons like your their seasons are on the ropes right now. But I think their seasons, this whoever loses this game, the seasons over. Sorry for stuttering like that, folks. Um, Thoughts, just quick thoughts, because also, too, I'm going to say this because I want to get into the next game quick. Uh, I'm going to pick the Vikings to win this game. Yeah, I got the Vikings, too. I mean, Matt Stafford being on the COVID list, and Kenny Galladay is going to be, he's doubtful for this game, so that's two huge blows for them. And uh, I think the Vikings are just going to pull this out and win. Um, not, not much analysis on it. I just think Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson are going to have a pretty good day. And Adam Thielen and the whole Vikings offense, I think, is going to be have a pretty good day. So I would look at them for fantasy um, implications. But, uh, um, yeah, not, 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 not much analysis for this one because I just don't think it's going to be a very exciting game. And I think the Vikings are going to have a pretty convincing win over the Lions here. I, I think the same thing, too. Just like I said, because of the whole offensive issues with the Detroit. Um, the next game... Very intriguing one, to be honest. It's the Bears visiting the Titans. You've got a shitty offensive line going up against a shit defensive line who can't get to the quarterback. So this game literally is going to be about if Nick Foles can escape the pocket. And another matchup I want to see is Derrick Henry against Khalil Mack. Because it's like um, two Mack trucks just like colliding into one another. <laughs> um... I'm sure the Titans game plan is going to have Derrick Henry running the opposite way just to have the most optimal path to uh, uh, making plays. But, I mean, the Titans are a pretty good team. Um, I kind of like to compare them to, like, maybe a better version of the Houston Texans a couple years ago when it was Matt Schaub, Arian Foster, and DeAndre Johnson um, going out there and – 
going Andre Johnson. I said DeAndre Johnson. I just realized that. Um, which where they built their game on the run game, and then they had the play action go into it. And I mean, Corey Davis. Um, a lot of people have been calling him like the Devonte Parker of this year. How Devonte Parker. For the longest time, he just wasn't performing a former first-round pick, and then he just all of a sudden starts actually having good games. And Corey Davis has been stepping it up, especially when A.J. Brown hasn't been on the field. And A.J. Brown's a beast, too. Uh, don't get me wrong. Him and D.K. Metcalf are physical specimens from that draft class, and those two are just awesome players. Um, but, of course, Derrick Henry, like you said, the dude's just a Mack truck. And if him and Khalil Mack do uh, end up linking up on some plays, that would be very interesting to see. Um, I just don't see the Bears beating the Titans. Um, I think the Titans are just a really good, sound football team all around. And uh, I, I just don't know if the Bears can get away with it after seeing how uh, anemic their offense looked against the Saints last week. And granted, the Titans' D-line just has not shown through. I mean, Jadavian Clowney hasn't really done much, um, which could help them, which could help the Bears win. But uh, I'm just going to have to stick with the Titans on this one. No, I'm the same, too. I'm going to go Titans. Uh, the last 1 o'clock game, uh, Giants football team. I got nothing really to say about this one. I'm going to go, Gi- go Giants, so just because they really impressed me on Monday night. And because Daniel Jones is also 3-0 really, against the football team. It's really sad to think that uh, a team in this division is going to be in the playoffs. Um, granted, I think the Eagles are going to end up getting it together and decent enough to show something but uh yeah i don't know i'm just going to be different and go washington just because i think their d-line is going to cause havoc for daniel jones and give him problems and i see antonio gibson having a good day i'm still i'm into the debate right now in one league whether to start uh chase edmonds in my flex or uh antonio gibson uh just that's a bad pass interference call on the Niners. Um, it is. That's uh, before we get into it. Also, too, because I'm going to say this right now. Um, let's look at this. Yeah, that's a bad pass. That honestly, I hate the fact. I'm going to say this right now. I have a gripe with this this year. I hate the fact that either flags are getting thrown very late, or players look at the ref and go like, "Yo, what was that? Like, where's the flag? Where's the flag, bro?" I'm like. Just, like, shut up and play the game. I know, obviously, like, there was all that stuff with the NBA being with the whole social justice issues when they were told shut up and dribble by some... They expect people for them to do that, but then they were standing up for everything. But a lot of times with these football guys, like, I don't want NFL players turning into NBA players where, like... Like, for example, when LeBron has a note, a call that he doesn't get fouled on, and he's like, yo, what, what, what was that? I do not want the NFL becoming that, where players are just looking for calls. Oh yeah, especially uh, the the big name players are gonna hopefully try to get um, favor with the refs there as Aaron Rodgers just throws a really easy touchdown there. Mercedes um, Lewis. I got to Mercedes Lewis, um, but yeah, um, it's just gonna be like that with some players. Some players are gonna be more uh, wanting the ref to throw a flag and. It's just the personality of the players, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, the next game is Raiders-Chargers. Um, I told this to Big Rat on Monday night, and I'm going to tell you this too. Oh, it's a guessing game. So the 49ers have lost f- 
or not the 49ers, excuse me, the Chargers have lost 49 games since 2015. How many of those games do you think are by one possession? Mm, you said 49 games? Yes. Mm, I'm going to guess about 70% of them probably have been one uh, possession games. I'm going to do some quick math because I'm on my iPhone because I'm not a mathematician. Uh, 77%. 38. Okay, so uh, I was kind of close there. 70, I said 70, and it is about 77%. But, yeah, um, the, the Chargers are a really good team talent-wise on paper. Um, but if you just can't go out there and uh, put together a win – it just shows uh, the grit of your football team, I guess. And a, a big joke I've heard lately is that the Chargers are the uh, the Falcons for the AFC. They always just find a way to lose the game at the end of the day. And, uh, I mean, Justin Herbert's just been – he's been so good at He's not been able to put it on the field and win the game. And I, I mean, I, I saw it firsthand when we played the Chargers, and I was really scared, and I thought the Chargers were about to beat us. But we ended up being able to pull it through and win. Um, but the poor guy, Justin Herbert, he just – can't catch a break, um, and neither can the Chargers. Um, kind of got to feel bad for him at sometimes, but uh, it is what it is for the Chargers. Um, hopefully, at some point, they can get a coach and, and get a team all together, or they can figure out why they keep losing these games the way they do. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're just not able to go out there and put it all together for the win, uh, you can't do much about it. Um. I had made this tweet earlier when I said, earlier this year, saying the Chargers of 2020 are what the Cardinals of 2019 were. They're not going to win a lot of football games. They're going to have plays that are going to be exciting to watch, and there's promise going forward. The only difference is, obviously, I, unlike Cliff Kingsbury still being with Arizona, I do not see Anthony Lynn being the Chargers head coach in 2021. He's a great guy. I think he's going to get a chance somewhere as an offensive coordinator next year. It's just he's been there for so long, and I think you got to get someone new in there. That's my only thing. Because like Shane Steichen's great, but I think Shane Steichen will stay as OC and then Pep Hamilton as quarterback's coach. But I do think they'll have a new head coach by the start of next year. And also, too, I'm going Raiders to win this game. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with both, both statements there. Um, I think. Darren Waller's just gonna come in there and tear it up. Um, he's a really good tight end, really good player. Um, uh, as I can speak firsthand, Darren Waller tore up the Saints. Um, we were winning, and then Derek Carr and Gruden probably just said, "Hey, just throw it to Waller and make him stop it," and we couldn't stop it. Um, but yeah, uh, like you said, uh, I just think the Raiders are just gonna come out here and win this game. Um, not not too much analysis on it, but uh, yeah, I got the Raiders as well. Uh, next game I want to talk about briefly. It's a classic rivalry, but the Steelers visiting the Cowboys. It's a 14-point spread. The only question I have for you is, or uh, not a question, the only thing I'm going to say is, a lot of people have been saying, oh, will this game be decided by the first quarter? Um, I think by the middle of the third quarter it's going to be out of hand, no matter if it's Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush starting for Dallas. It's just, this is that game where I look at it, I'm like, the Cowboys are walking into a buzzsaw. Like, I like if I'm gonna throw a score out there and I'm gonna say 
45 to 10. Like, if you have Connor, if you have Man. Juju, if you have Claypool, shout out Canada, start him on your fantasy teams this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree. Um, the, the Cowboys right now remind me of that Colts team that I referenced earlier in the in the podcast that the Saints just trounced on um, when they played the Colts that, that year. Because, I mean, they, their defense is, was already really, really bad to begin the year, and Dak Prescott was having to go really hard to make up for the shortcomings of that defense. And once you uh, – Throw in the fact that you had Andy Dalton come in, he got hurt, and now you're having to play just some guy who I've never heard his name of until this week, really, or two weeks ago, or whenever. Um, his name's never really on my radar. And uh, you, you got to feel bad for the Cowboys a little bit, especially Dak in this situation. Um, I know I probably said it before, but I just hope uh, uh, he can come back and come back strong. But uh, at the end of the day, this Steelers team, they're playing really good football, really good football. They just traded for uh, the linebacker from the Jets just to add. Uh, Avery um, Williamson. Yeah, Avery Williamson, to add just more to their defense, which is already really solid. Um, and they, their three-headed wide receiver core of Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson and Juju is just really solid, although I don't think Juju is really going to be with the team for much longer, honestly. Um, I think, uh, just a quick call out. I think Deontay Johnson is going to be the Chris Godwin next year, um, for, for fantasy football purposes. I think he's going to be a really solid receiver. And of course, Chase Claypool could be that guy as well. You just never know. Whoever works in that Steelers, um, wide receiver, um, talent development, or talent-finding scouting department, I hope they're making a lot of money because they just always hit on these guys, and it's just crazy how it happens. But uh, as far as a score, just to throw one out there, I'm going to say Steelers. I don't think they're just going to go out there and score just an immense amount of points. Um, I think you're 45 to 10. Is that what you said, 45 to 10? Yeah. I think that's a pretty good call, but I'll just just to be different, I'll say Cowboys, 13, Steelers, 50. Ooh, put a 50 burger. I think it's the first ever 50 yeah. burger I've heard on the podcast. Um, <laughs> the other way I look at this, um, the, the other thing I will say this to, and Big Rat agreed with me, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is the most overrated fantasy football player. I think everyone this year was expecting big things from him, and I just knew to avoid him. Like Even to week one, everyone was like, oh, we should have drafted him. He hasn't really didn't done much for fantasy since that game. Like He'll get a touchdown here and there, but he's... He's just not consistent. So, like, I agree with you. I think he'll make his name on another team. I believe his... I don't know when his rookie deal is up, but I think either this year or next year. Um, and you're right, too, because look, how they go from Claypool, Johnson, Smith-Schuster, before that, Antonio Brown, Santonio Holmes, Mike Wallace was there at one point, Randall L. Uh-huh. Like, the steel, like, even, too, going like way back, like... The Steelers have always had like great wide receivers on their team. Like, like even look at Lynn Swan uh, way back in the day. Another example, Heinz Ward. Like, man, uh-huh. Pittsburgh is like the model organization in the NFL. I know everyone says that about New England, but the Pittsburgh Steelers have had three head coaches, I think, since 1970. That's 50 years. 
that, that's insane. That's just crazy. Just the consistency. I mean, uh, is insane to think about. Um, and, and and I agree with you on the Smith-Schuster thing. Uh, just where he was drafted, it, it was very overrated. And he's already gone on record saying he wants to play with Sam Darnold if things improve on the Jet side of things to bring back the USC days, which uh, uh, for his sake, I hope it's not on the Jets because I just have a hard time trusting that organization versus the Steelers. But uh, I don't think the Steelers are going to pay him because, I mean, just look what they can just go out and do. I mean, at this point, why even go out and pay a wide receiver for the Steelers? Um, because you're just so good at finding these guys. But I think Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are going to pretty much overtake them and to uh, just to throw one out there uh, against the Smith-Schuster thing. An underrated fantasy player is definitely James Conner. People were sleeping on James Conner going into the fantasy fantasy season myself included i was kind of worried about injury concerns which is uh definitely uh definitely a logical thing to think about with james connor but uh one of my friends is asking me yo who should i draft here should i draft this wide receiver or james connor and I, i'm a guy who always like get a running back they're always important i mean especially this year um because it's just hard to find that consistency at running back and getting james connor i mean he's put up about 500 yards five touchdowns that's very solid I drafted James Conner in multiple leagues, and I'm not regretting it. And I'm just looking up right here right now the Pittsburgh Steelers thing, just to be accurate. So Chuck Knoll was their head coach from 1969 to 91. And then Bill Cowher took over in 92 to 2006. And then Mike Tomlin's been there since 2007. So just to fact check, yeah, since not 1970. Oh, as, okay, there's a flag thrown, but Aaron Rodgers, I think, may have just thrown a pick. So we'll to wait Jason Verrett. Yes, to, yeah, to Jason Verrett, but we're going to wait and see what Bill Vidovich has to say, which I know it's a name that just pierces Matt's um, ears. Um, that's the only thing i got to say about Pittsburgh. What's he? Oh, it's on San Francisco! Yep, it is. I think it's 12 men on the field. Oh my god, that is such... Like, cause if they get that pick, that's game-changing, because... Now the score, instead, of, you're giving Green Bay the ball, like, oh my god. Um, the next game we got on the docket, the last one on the Sunday that we're going to talk about, because obviously we talked about Saints box off the hop. The Dolphins versus the Cardinals, which, this is a very intriguing matchup, where, if you're a college football fan, you're going to like this, because it's a little 2018 Orange Bowl rematch, but, man, this Kyler versus Tua game, this is... This is one to look out for in the late window, which if I'm looking at these late games and there's only three of them, I'm going to watch Dolphins-Cardinals over uh, Steelers-Cowboys. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely going to be something to watch out for. I hope Tua can uh, go out there and perform well. He didn't really have to last week. Um, They they lost Miles Gaskin for about three weeks. I think that's going to be something that kind of hurts. He's not like a guy that just blows... Uh, he's just not like a name that just pops off the sheet, the paper, but uh, he, he's been a solid running back for the Dolphins. Uh, definitely pretty consistent guy there. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see Tua go out and make some plays for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the Cardinals are end up just going to win this one. Um, but but you never just know. So, sometimes the Cardinals go out there and just don't have a good game. And this Dolphins defense has been playing pretty good, so. Uh, I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes. Um, I think the running back situation could hurt the Dolphins because um, I think Matt Breed is also questionable. 
So uh, that could hurt him a little bit there. Um, so I just end up going into his to his hands where he just has to go out there and play ball. Um, so this might be the game to watch out for it if you want to see how two is going to look um, when if he actually gets to uh, kind of air it out more. I'm going to be honest with you when I say this. I, I I'm going Cardinals too, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins win this game. Um, I think this game has the potential to be uh, like a. A twenty-eight to twenty-four, like or even like in the thirties for both teams, just because. Look, you don't know what you're going to get with either team. I think Cliff Kingsbury is going to have his offense ready for that defense. But if we were to come down to de- to a defensive football game, I'm going to trust Brian Flores on the defensive front than I do Vance Joseph. That's the only thing I got to say is because. And also, look, if you don't know me by now, I'm a big Kyler Murray fan. I'm a bit of a quasi Cardinal fan. Like I want to see them do well. And I know I have no attachment, but I may order a AliExpress or DHgate uh, Kyler Murray jersey. Uh, I'm not afraid to admit that. But I think this game right here is going to say a lot about both teams. We're going to find out because one's 4-4, four and four, one's 5-2. and two. Whoever wins this game is really just going to increase their playoff stock. That's the only other thing i got to say. As Aaron Rodgers is on the run, gets the first down, and a little bit more. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, the Dolphins have been have been a pretty solid team. Um, some, some people might not have expected this, but with the offseason moves they were making, and I said, you know, the Dolphins could be a pretty solid team. Not just like a great, amazing team or anything, but they could go out there and be a borderline, maybe sneak into the playoffs. And at the trajectory they're going, it's definitely a possibility for them. Um, and I mean. The Cardinals obviously are an awesome team. Um, very fun to watch. Offense just explosive. Um, at the end of the day, I just think the Cardinals offense is just going to take it to them. And, uh, yeah, that, that's who I'll ride with here, the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah, like you said, I could definitely see this being a close game because you just never really know how a uh, Dolphins team or a Cardinals team could end up performing at the end of the day. Um, exactly. And,. The one thing I want to say is, with that 7th playoff spot, I expect teams like the Raiders and the Dolphins to be contending for that 7th playoff spot. That's the one thing I want to say about the Raiders as well, is if the Raiders win the games they're supposed to, they're going to be in that conversation in December. Oh yeah, for sure. They will definitely be, uh, those are two teams to definitely look out for, for that uh, 7th playoff spot. I'm curious just to see... uh, what the playoff picture looks like right now. I know it's only halfway point of the season, which is where stuff just actually starts to rev up. Um, right now it looks like the Colts and the Browns are the Colts, Browns and Ravens are taking the wild card spots with the Raiders, Dolphins, Broncos and Bengals all people looking in. Um, so yeah, it looks like it's just gonna end up being the Raiders, the Dolphins and maybe the Broncos, but I'll just I'll just leave it with the Raiders and the Dolphins kind of on the outside end because the AFC North's been really good division, honestly. Um, all those teams have been looking pretty good. Um, the Bengals have had their days where they've been solid, but they're just not to the point where they're even going to contend um, with even trying to even get close to that playoff spot. It's about the NFC West, but uh, just a little bit worse. Exactly. Um, the one thing I will say though is that I'm just gonna find a like wait and see to find a way of how Cleveland's gonna lose their playoff spot. I'm just waiting for it to happen. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible. Um, them losing Beckham definitely hurts them quite a bit. Um, so we'll just have to see how the Browns end up because uh, they definitely have a history of uh, blowing things. And like I said earlier, um, it's a halfway point of the season. That's how you know when it feels the season really about to start. And you're about to see just uh, – Who's going to continue playing good and who's going to end up falling off and losing all their momentum? Exactly. Like, this, this we're now, like, I, I always hate to say this, but like we're at the halfway point of the NFL season. And, like, before we know it, the season's going to be over. But, look, this is when the games start to matter. And, like, last week, last week was a game that was poised for Cleveland to win. They squawked it away. So we'll see what happens to them going forward. It's just. Knowing their history and knowing that I, and I, I will say this, I still don't trust Baker Mayfield, it's there's the lose. Um, the last game we got, Monday night, I have my hand hovering over the panic button and like the shut it down. Like, do you watch Bar Rescue at all, Matt? Or do you know the show? Mm, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, so basically it's a show, the guy's name's John Taffer, he's a well-known bar expert and, like, owns a bunch of bars, and basically he'll go into basically crappy bars and fix them and make them better, but when he finds something that's really bad, he'll just yell, like, shut it down really loud and basically be like, get everyone out of here. If the Patriots lose this game, it's, I'm just, I give up all hope for 2020, I don't know how I'm going to watch any more games, because the more I hear about it, it's, oh, the Patriots have this tough schedule and now it gets easier with, like, because in the next few games, it's the Jets. They saw the Jets twice. They have to play the Texans, the Chargers, the Rams, the Dolphins, the Bills. And then they have the Ravens next Sunday night. It's like, oh, there's still opportunity to get in there. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, just win this game. I have, I went a whole month without seeing the Patriots win. You know when I, the last time I did that was? Is when they are in the offseason. Because I'm not used to seeing them lose the game. a game. Like, I haven't seen them win since September as... What a bomb by Aaron Rodgers to Valdez Scantling there. Just a clean bomb to Marquez Valdez Scantling. Woo! Man, I should have bet the Packers to cover. I knew they were going to cover this spread. Um, It's six. It's already 20 to three. Um, But look, this is also an Aaron Rodgers revenge game from the two games last year where the 49ers absolutely walked the floor with them. Uh, All I ask, Patriots, I don't care how you do it. I don't care if it's 6-3. to Just take a book. Take a page of Al Davis' book. Just win, baby. That's literally, I'm picking them to win because it's the Jets, but at the same time, I'm making a plea. Please win, New England. Please win, for the love of God. Four straight losses, oh, yeah. I understand. Look, we can move past it. There was the Cam COVID issues, and then there was the fumble this week. But it's the Jets. Please win. Even if it's a close game, if they win, I'm just going to go, they got the win. Yeah, that's that's about all you can hope for at this point. And honestly, if I'm a Patriots fan, um, just on the outside looking in, um, uh, I would kind of rather lose games at this point because I don't really know. Uh, I, of course, it always sucks to lose games, but I don't really know how far uh, this team could go. Um, 
the wide receiver core there is kind of sketchy. I know Edelman and Nikhil Harry's been having injury problems and all that, but I mean, jury's still out on Nikhil Harry if he can if he can even uh, return that value of that first round pick. Um, but you just got to get some help for this team, and maybe a first round pick could do that, and maybe they could get a guy like Jamar Chase if they get a high enough pick, and that would be a real good addition for them, um, I think, and. Getting all these guys that opted out um, due to COVID would help a lot as well for the future. Um, I don't know what the future plan is going to be with Cam, whether to uh, look elsewhere, look at a different quarterback, or uh, go somewhere else. A interesting scenario, uh, just in my head, would be if uh, the Jets they end up drafting Trevor Lawrence and they give up on Sam Darnold, and maybe Sam Darnold goes to the Patriots and. Maybe it's another case of an Adam Gase guy letting a guy get away with the talent. Because, I mean, look at how Ryan Tannehill is performing right now. And uh, that would definitely be a pretty big addition. Um, I don't know what your thoughts would be on that would be. But uh, in terms of the game, I got the Patriots winning because the Jets are an absolute dumpster fire right now. Um, as one thing before I get into that, holy shit, Nick Mullins just got trucked by, I believe that's Preston Smith. Or Sedarius, one of the two. I don't know what... I can't remember off the top of my head which one was which number. But, um... There's part of me that wants to see them make a push towards the playoffs, but then there's part of me that's saying, like, guys, build towards the future. Like, like let's just put a bow on this season and, like, just pat, move past it. I like the Sam Darnold take only because, look, I understand Trevor Lawrence is probably the best look, best Not best looking, but most sought after prospects since Andrew Luck. A lot of people do not remember that, and especially me, I've been reminded about it over the last little while, that Andrew Luck was a highly touted prospect coming out of Stanford in 2011. But the couple quarterbacks I always thought who couldn't work in New England potentially is Matt Stafford, especially if Detroit plans on blowing it up because, look, like I think there's a good chance Patricia and Quinn are out, out, out of Detroit at the end of the year. I think... Look, Matt Stafford's a great quarterback. You get him in the right system. I think he can thrive. The other is Jimmy, but at the same time, too, Jimmy's injury history scares the hell out of me. So, I don't know what to do, but I will say this. If Cam, I think, impresses, I think they can convince him to take a... like a, If they if you get Cam a full offseason in New England, I would take another year deal on him, kind of like... Let's see what you can do. Like, obviously, not like a million dollars again. He'd probably get a little bit more, but I can't see Cam getting top quarterback money after this year. Because also, too, like, who realistically is gonna be pay, is gonna pay him? Because for all we know, like, it's it's just this off season upcoming is going to be more interesting than twenty twenty because there's a lot of questions to be answered about a lot of teams, like San Francisco, just because of how easily they can get out of Garoppolo's contract. Uh, will Detroit blow it up? Uh, can teams who have chance to contend add? It's a ride that I'm here for, but you know what? We'll cross that bridge when we get here for now. I'm here to enjoy the NFL season, and I'm going to root for my team to make the playoffs until there's an E next to their name. That's all i got to say. But at the end of the day, too, I think more than likely the Patriots will miss the playoffs in 2020. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good way to look at it. And from my perspective, the 20. 20- uh, this coming off season is very uh, telling because I mean the Saints are going to look a really different this time next year. Drew Brees is 
most likely not going to be on the team anymore. Um, some players are probably going to be gone because salary crap is going to be quite a bit lower this year. And right now, the Saints are like already at, at projected to be like a hundred million dollars over the cap already, which is a, a very scary thing to think about. And I mean. If you know the Saints general manager, Mickey Loomis, he definitely has a way with numbers and getting around the cap figures. So in terms of that, I'm not really too worried about it. It's just the moves that have to happen to get there. So the offseason is definitely going to be very interesting. And, and, the, and the entire landscape of the NFL, it should be. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully your Patriots can go out and show a good win against the Jets. Um, I know the week after that they got the Ravens, so that's going to be a tough, uh, tough one there to watch, I think. But uh, oddly enough, it looks like that one's going to be prime time as well on Sunday Night Football. So Monday night and Sunday night turnarounds. Um, but yeah, um, I definitely feel you for wanting to root for your team um, through it all, for sure. Because uh, at the end of the day, the wins are nice to watch. Watching a team lose just is not fun. No, it is not. Like, and it's something that people have always ask me about or talk to me about. Like, oh, are you prepared to lose? Or, oh, are you still going to be a fan once Brady's gone? And it's like, it's like what the Patriots say when they win their Super Bowls. We're still here. I, I, I'm still a fan. I'm still kicking as it is currently halftime of this game. But, like I said, I'm taking it one game at a time. I'm not saying, I don't want to think about, like, oh, hey, they're going to go and win, like, five of the next six. Or, oh, if they do this, they can make the playoffs. It's, look, I'm going to wait and see what happens. But if this team, for some reason, there was also that weird, crazy rumor of, and I'd love to see this happen, but Joe Douglas and Adam Gase get extensions in New York, and for some reason they decide to, if New England, like, were to trade this year's number one pick, next year's number one pick, like and, like, a second and a third for this year's number one because... And they're like, oh, hey, we're going to stick with Sam Darnold. I'm just like, yo, I will take that. Because a lot of Patriot fans jokingly have said tank for Trevor ever since Tom left. But if they found a way to finesse the Jets into getting him, I don't know if I would laugh or if I would cry. And when I say cry, I mean in the sense of cry of laughter being like, we just finessed these idiots. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would definitely be a crazy thing to see. Uh, I don't know if an interdivisional team's ever traded uh, um, up that much to get a, a franchise quarterback. Um, that'd definitely be an interesting thing to look at. But uh, I don't know if it'd be any organization to be the Jets. And if Adam Gay somehow has a job after this year, I don't know how he still has a job right now. Probably just to end up losing our games, to be honest. Um but if he still has a job this time next year with the Jets, I just don't know. Like, I don't know what these teams see. Um, like, who on the Jets saw Adam Gase, a coach in their division, go out and make the Dolphins just look so bad and say, oh, we need this on our team. We need to hire this guy immediately. I just don't understand it. As soon as they hired him, I didn't even go like, oh, ha, ha. I went, like, you look at them. Have you ever seen the movie Coming to America? No, I'm not a big movie guy, so I hadn't seen it. Okay, well, there's a a gif of Arsenio Hall in the movie, like, drinking, and then he just spits his drink out. Literally, it was a spit take 
like decision when I saw they hired him. I'm like, I don't know what they see in there because obviously before Joe Douglas got there, Mike McCagnan, who has been ripped to shreds by the media because he did a lot of bad with the Jets, but I honestly don't know what to think about this football team. Like I, we all jokingly say, oh hey, they have this, but in reality, Adam Gase should be fired. The I'll I'll take you to an example. Two years ago, Todd Bowles was still coaching the New York Jets. It was week 17. They were playing at New England. They were getting killed. I remember it was Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts calling the game. And they were basically saying, like, oh, how he's gonna, he's basically fired and all this stuff. And I'm like, the game's still on. That week 17 game, no matter how bad, what New England's record is week 17, the talk is going to be, okay, when's Gase getting fired? That's literally what it should be. Like, if for some reason they decide to extend him, like, it's the same thing. I don't know. I wouldn't, I would not cry. I would just be laughing, basically looking at them, going, like, how stupid are you to extend a coach who literally is doing nothing to help your franchise succeed? Oh, yeah, for sure. He, he's definitely a go at the end of Week 17. That They just got to be keeping him on just so that way they make sure they keep losing games because it's just baffling at this point. This is a legitimate... If you look at their schedule, like, they're a legitimately... They're probably going to be at best 1-15. I think maybe they steal a game. Like, they play the Chargers, I think, week week 14 or something like that. And like Because, like, to finish off the year, they have, like... I think it's, like, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, and Patriots. And then the, they have the Chargers sprinkled in there as well. But, like, you look at their schedule, I don't know how they're going to win a game. I, unless they... I say they beat the Browns. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. Yeah, like they beat the Browns, but oh, it's I don't know how you could be a New. I I I like part of me feels bad for the New York Giant, Jet fans and New York Giant fans just because I know a few of them, but at the same time, too, nothing. I just love to see it. I just love to see it. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm. It's always uh, good for the interdivisional teams to just uh, make fun of them because I definitely. Make some jokes at the Falcons' expense uh, in my friend group, which is uh, it, it amuses me very much. But uh, since I'm not in that division, I do feel bad for. Uh, sh- shout out, Danny. Feel bad for you um, having to deal with the team. Um, yeah, I mean, besides that, I don't really have much else to say. I just think that if, if they're going to win a game, I'm just going to say it's going to be against the Browns because Browns are a dysfunctional franchise as well. That's another team where I could talk about their quarterbacking situation, but I'll do that another time. Well, anyway, guys, I don't want to take we don't want to take too much of your time up, but Matt, it was great having you on as always. You're I'm getting I want to get you back on a few more times before the season's done because look, before we know it, week 17 is going to be here, and I don't like thinking about that. Oh yeah, for sure, it's very depressing because we're already at the halfway point, and it just feels like football is just getting amped up, which is a uh, think about. So uh, yeah, I hope. I hope this, uh, well, I was going to say I hope this year kind of slows down, but at the same time, I know a lot of people want this year to be over to have a clean slate start and get into 2021, but I hope the NFL season slows down. Exactly, because also, too, the one thing I will say is, for as many cases there are coming out with COVID right now with the NFL, I still do applaud the league for the way they've handled it and the fact that no games have had to be canceled, unlike college football. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, which um, I like. Even they were talking about that today of how like oh, there's going to be like with the college football playoff and everything. We'll wait and see what happens there. But that's all the only thing I wanted to say. But Matt, thank you very much for coming on once again. Like I said before, 
If you ever find time to take time away from playing PS5, you're more than welcome to come back on whenever you want, buddy. Oh, yeah, awesome. Always ready to come on. It's a very fun time coming on here, and thank you for always having me on. You're always welcome. Well, anyway, guys, we want you to enjoy week nine of the NFL season. I'll be back sometime next week to recap it all and look ahead to week uh, 10 as next Thursday night we have the Colts and Titans, which is another big game, which I'll probably be recording with during then. But for guests, guys, I got some good ones coming up soon. I got some uh, good people lined up that you're not going to want to miss. So uh, stay tuned to more episodes, and thank you very much for listening. Have yourselves a good night. Uh, Matt, do you have any other words to add? Uh, good luck to all your fantasy teams out there. Um, I'm a very fantasy-focused guy, so good luck to them. I had an awful week last week, so all I ask is that I get a couple of wins this week in different leagues. And with that, goodbye for now, everyone. Take care. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.